Welcome to Acona Beyond the Articles, the podcast of Acona Online, the student-run newspaper for the Academy of the Holy Names in Tampa, Florida. Each episode is hosted by our staff members in which they give their opinions on a variety of current topics. We publish one episode per week, and you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Now, let's start the episode. Hi guys, coming to you from Tampa, Florida, it's Maddie, Jessica, and Emily here with another podcast. This week we are going to focus on specific social social injustices in today's society and what you can do to make a change. My topic is addiction in a younger audience. I have chosen to focus on how major tobacco and alcohol companies advertise their products to teenagers and why this is such an issue today. So for my project, I've researched why these companies target a younger audience and why their marketing tactics that go along with it are so effective. And honestly, I really think that the main thing, as dumb as this may sound, is the colors and flavors. Because if you see something that's strawberry flavored, I'm sure you're going to want to try it, even if you know how bad it is for you. So in my project, I really wanted to learn how this has been such a widespread issue and the course of addiction to these products and how it could lead to a future in cigarette smoking or even worse. Um, I also wanted to look at how, like, why this specific audience is targeted and what these people should do. Like, what can I do to stop the spread of this? And how, how can I make a change in my friends and how they use these products? The reason I decided to choose this injustice is because I've had a lot of friends that have used these products, and obviously they're not of the legal age because I'm only 17. So... The legal age for tobacco products in the state of Florida is was just raised to the age of 21 along with alcohol consumption. And obviously this is far above the current age that we are at right now, therefore causing an addic- causing addictions and the development like the slower development of our brains and how we function. So I really think that just being informed of these like what these drugs can and products and alcohol products can do to you can really affect how much you use them, why you use them, if you use them, and how you can slow down other people's use of them or stop it. Additionally, I also wanted to look at how people or teenagers were coping with their parents or people that they know struggle with addiction. And I think this is important because if everyone's affected by addiction, even even the people like around them, even if you don't know them, because if you meet someone with an addiction and they're telling you about their story, you're going to be concerned for their health. You're going to, you're not going to know what to say. You're going to, if you had the knowledge about why this is not good for them, you're going to be confused on why they surpass all this knowledge that they have um, and still use these products anyway, or still indulge in them. So in the Bible, Genesis chapter three, verse one through nine is the story of temptation with Adam and Eve. And in this story, we know that the devil comes in the form of a snake and tells Adam and Eve that they can eat from the tree of knowledge that God has told them not to eat in when he's just trying to protect them. So Satan is tempting them to take this fruit and eat this fruit even when God said, this is not good for you, like you should not be eating this because we, we later find out that this tree of knowledge comes with, after they eat it, it comes with original sin, which we still have today. So I really think that this parallels to the temptation that us as teenagers might have when we're indulging in alcohol and tobacco products because of peer pressure or we're just interested in trying them because, like I said earlier, the flavors and some it just might seem interesting to us. So we're like, oh, I'm going to try that. But in reality, this could really lead us to an addiction. Um, 
Additionally, Satan tries to convince them that God is wrong and what he's telling them is not, not the truth about this is actually a good tree and that they should be fine eating it. Um, and I think that this connection right here relates to how the media makes these products look appealing and it causes everyone that sees these products and advertisements to discard all the knowledge that they might have about the use of them and what like the potential effects they can have on their body. To connect this back to our faith, I think that it's very important to recall that each and every person is made in God's image and likeness, and this means that we are all basically God's, we're all God's children, and he wants the best for us, and he put us on this earth so that we could act in his image and likeness. And by allowing these harmful chemicals and toxins into our bodies, we're tainting God's creation that he created, and his purpose for creating us was to live out a full life and not be persuaded by Satan. Connecting this to personal reason and our opinions and our logical reasoning, if we have information on why we should not use these products or listen and let advertisements sway us to use these products, then we should logically refrain from using them because it's not we shouldn't intentionally be putting chemicals in our body. I think that it's in the interest of our faith to spread awareness to other people um, about the harms of these products so that we can maintain the health of God's creation and that we can continue to live in the likeness of Jesus. Because if we, if we inform other people of how, how this can affect their bodies, it may sway them one way or another to not partake in the use of this. So on a personal level, we can connect us to the values of the SNJM sisters um, because they're very passionate about helping all children, especially those that are tempted by Satan. And in this case, Satan is tempting us to partake in these, these harmful chemicals in our body. So the SMJ and sisters are really working towards avoiding all temptations from Satan. And their dedication to helping all children shows how they live out the practices of Catholic social teaching. And I really think that since this issue has become so pertinent in our world today, that it will potentially aid the change in the process of addiction and the occurrences of it today. And I think as a school as a whole, really all we can do is inform people. We see someone partaking in these things. We should make sure to tell them like, that is not what God would want you to do. Like you're being tempted by Satan. Obviously you wouldn't blatantly tell someone they're being tempted by Satan if they're using these products. But I really think that it's important to make it known that what they're doing is not, it's not what God would intend. Thank you, Maddie. Um, that was that was really good. Um, you know, I'm I feel compelled now to like see someone like indulging in tobacco products, telling them like, "Hey, stop! That's not good for you." Um, so, to kind of switch it around. My topic was alcoholism, and I kind of wanted to focus it on the youth of today. And I guess my my uh, my driving question has to do with alcoholism and how it affects the person and their family. Um, I really wanted to research this topic. Because alcoholism affects so many more people than we think in today's society and in, in the world today that, you know, it's kind of more or less affecting the youth of America more than we think it is. Um, personally, I've seen people being affected by alcoholism, and I it really has just compelled me to make a change, um, not in, obviously not with me, but like make a change in the, my community because I just don't think anybody should really have to go through that. Um, I, I also believe that, you know, informing the youth of today's, like, society can really help save the lives because, obviously, you know, if you've 
known any story or seen any movie about alcoholism, it can lead to major health problems, both physically and mentally. And those mental problems can be with you for many, many, many years to come. Um, And honestly, just informing the youth of how dangerous alcohol can be now can hopefully and potentially save lives in the future. To kind of connect my my topic to the Bible, um, I chose the verse Galatians 5.25, and it says, Drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so kind of how I interpreted this was that those who abuse alcohol and act ungodly because of it, you know, like acting like, if somebody would call it like acting like a drunkard, um, basically God's saying that they won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, in addition, um, the Bible verse also discusses how alcohol abusers must realize that alcohol will not make them happy, nor will it get them into heaven. Only the love of God will and trusting and believing in him. Um, and I kind of really think that that connects like really well to, you know, my topic and kind of how it connects to like the mission and the ministry of kind of our faith today. So how I kind of wanted to connect alcoholism, my topic to our faith is that the basis of faith is to believe without seeing. So using that concept in mind, we can use our faith to believe that there's a good in a person who's constantly under the influence of alcohol or who's abusing alcohol. And because we believe that they're there, even though we may not see it at that moment. And I also believe that we can help anybody who's struggling with alcohol abuse or alcoholism um, through our faith in God. Uh, Faith allows us to, to be able to still love that person because we believe that they are still human and that they can change for the better because God shows that generosity and forgiveness to us and we should show it to other people because God sees it in us when we don't see it in ourselves. So God's faith allows us or helps us to kind of be that better person that he knows we can be and that we can help other people see that as well. How I kind of want to connect um, reason to my topic, um, I think it it accompanies faith um, really well because reason... um, Connecting that to alcoholism is responding to people suffering from alcohol abuse with a deeper commitment of love and a greater measure of generosity and understanding. So what that kind of means is that as us as human beings, we're born with reason. And that reason allows us to make decisions based on our moral compass and our knowledge of common sense. Seeing someone struggling with alcoholism would typically result in, in you know, your, your reason coming into play. You know, you would think to yourself, hey, like the reasonable choice for me, if you know, you were a good person, you're in the right headspace, like most people are, is that, you know, you would want to go and you would want to help them. You would want to, you would want to help them making, make the right decisions. And you want to show them that love and generosity for your fellow human beings, your fellow, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, You know, maybe like this specific situation might not be true for the majority of the population, but people that are born with like the characteristics of love, reason and generosity Like, that's almost the entire, that's like everybody. Everybody's born to love. Everybody's born with reason and everybody's born with generosity. Though may not, some may not show it as much as others. Um, But in our heart of hearts and and through God, like, we know that people have the ability to make these choices to help. And so, kind of through faith and reason, I wanted to make a connection to the Sisters of the Holy Names of Jesus and Mary. So, the mission of the SNJM is to teach children, specifically, you know, specifically women, um, the importance of developing a person into somebody that will embody the church and its teachings. So I kind of, kind of like connected this, um, to 
the SMJM sisters because aiding in those in need is one of their many pillars, right? Um, and so those suffering from alcohol abuse are in need. Um, and so they may look for a way out of their troubles. And with the help of the SNJM, you know, these people can find a healthy way out of their sorrows and they can finally find peace through the SNJM and their love and support that they show everybody. Um, as, a, as a teenager, I really think um, how we can really see the SNJM uh, kind of like playing through like to our fellow sisters is that, you know, if you're, if you're really like needing help um, or you know somebody who needs help that's kind of struggling with alcohol abuse because you know there's people out there that, that go to parties too often and drink too much um, you know, if you see like a friend or a family member that's kind of going through this kind of, you know, just, you can go up to them and be like, Hey, like, you know, I've, I've kind of noticed like this in your actions. Like, you know, like, do you want to talk about it? Or like, you can like send them, like show them somewhere like resources they can go and talk about this and that, you know, we, we should really like us as like the youth of America should really encourage one another, um, to not, you know, to not drink heavily. Like, like at church, like it's okay to have like a sip of wine at church, but to go out and to drink excessively is not, is not really, it's not good for you. It's not good for your mental health or anything like that. And we should really encourage one another not to do this maybe through like sending them to like church, um, to kind of show them back to like God's path and, you know, like being drunk all the time, it doesn't really reflect God's image. It doesn't make you look good. It doesn't make God, it doesn't make God happy. Like, you know, you got to do what we can to make God happy with ourselves. It poisons your soul, and it really poisons your faith. Um, and, yeah, man, like, don't don't drink unless you're 21. Like, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> Thank you, Jessica and Maddie. You guys had some really good points there. Uh, to kind of really switch things up, um, for my justice topic of capital punishment, I'll be focusing on how the current practice of capital punishment in the United States at times unjustly condemns the innocent to death, and also how gender and social class plays a huge role in the death penalty. And I really wanted to research this topic because capital punishment is not an injustice that most people would think about right on the spot. I mean, if I was asked to name a couple injustices, I'd probably say, uh, poverty or addiction like Maddie and Jessica talked about, I wouldn't really think of, oh, the death penalty, because that's not something you think of like, oh, that's an injustice. But I researched and a number of innocent people have actually been sentenced to death penalty, which not many people know. And to expand on that, there are many cases where an innocent person is sentenced to death. But if I were to tell you all of them, I'd be here all day doing that. However, there's one that stuck out to me. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the Troy Davis case, but in 2011, a man named Troy Davis from Georgia was convicted of murdering an off-duty police officer, and all signs were pointing that he was innocent. However, he was sentenced based off of eyewitness testimony, which, if you don't know what that is, it's a testimony given by a bystander at the crime scene based just off of what they see. And in this case, they have no evidence, no physical evidence whatsoever showing that Davis committed the crime. Like, they didn't have a weapon that they could have said, oh, he used this. They had absolutely no physical evidence. But just based off of the eyewitness testimony, they were able to convict him of the crime. And later on in the case, nine out of the seven out of the nine witnesses took back their original testimony, claiming that the police had persuaded their opinions 
but it was too late and he was already sentenced to death and killed. And this just further shows how capital punishment is cruel and unfair because there was no proof or evidence that Davis committed the crime, but just based off of the eyewitness testimony, his life was ended. Um, so, uh, another thing that I researched was how gender and social class can determine who could potentially deserve, um, receive the death penalty. And to kind of expand on that, according to the American Civil Liberties Union, also known as the ACLU, women account for only 2% of people sentenced to death, even though they commit around 11% of criminal homicides. And this shows how men are killed more than women through capital punishment which I can relate back to gender equality and the letter that we read in class, St. Paul's Letter to Women. And in order for capital for a capital case to be fair, the defendant needs a competent counsel, which if you don't know what that is, a competent counsel is pretty much an attorney that's educated in all aspects of crime. And also according to the ACLU, 90% of people on death row couldn't even afford to hire an attorney when tried. This is completely unfair because 90% is the majority and the majority can't afford attorneys. That leaves 10% are poor, are, are rich. And the wealthy are benefited by this while the poor have to suffer from the consequences, which isn't fair. And that's an example of the discrimination based off social class. So I actually have a Bible verse to relate to this. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 19. It says... Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And here Jesus is talking about how nobody should try to get revenge or punish others for their sins because that's only God's duty, and no one should be sentenced to death as a punishment because it's not morally right to kill another human being. So to kind of connect all this to faith, if you look back at the Ten Commandments, the, the rules that God set for his people, the Sixth Commandment is, Thou shalt not kill. And this is about how no matter what the reason may be, God tells his people that killing is never the answer. And by if you stand for the death penalty, then you're disobeying God's rules that he gave us to follow. And to kind of connect this to reason, you I mean, it, you could say that any reasonable Christian wouldn't purposefully go against God's word. So informing and reminding people that standing for capital punishment is a direct disobedience to what God asks of us is really important because I think that if people kind of understood... The consequences of that, it, they wouldn't really be for it. And not only is it morally wrong to kill another human being, but within capital punishment, there's so much discrimination, whether that be with race or gender or social class. I just think that the whole idea of the death penalty as a whole goes against everything that Christians believe and are taught and what Jesus tells us is right. And to kind of connect all this to the Sisters of the Holy Names of Jesus and Mary, one of the biggest values of the SNJM is education and faith and hospitality. And pertaining to my previous point of connecting the injustice of capital punishment to faith, the sisters work towards helping people live and express their faith. And in doing this, they make people aware of the basis of Christianity and what it stands for as a whole. And hospitality has to do with being gracious and welcoming all people no matter what, which connects to the injustice because God welcomes all people no matter what their sins are, and our punishments should be up to God and God only, and nobody else, not the government, nobody. So... That's kind of how I would wrap up my injustice of capital punishment. But all the topics that we discussed today relates to the Catholic social teaching pillar of rights and responsibilities. And Maddie, Jessica, and I would like to say thank you for listening and we will see you next time.